en route to being resolved, I'll rearrange things. Take your Bibles and turn with me to 2 Chronicles chapter 28. 2 Chronicles 28. This morning I got up and decided to do something a little bit different than I'd planned in Bible Hour this morning. Um, normally I like to have people come up and help me, don't I? But I have some sickies at my house, so I'm going to keep my distance from you all. And um, I'm feeling fine. <laughs> but I'm going to keep my distance, so we're going to have a little bit of a different lesson here this morning. But I want to wrap up the life of King Ahaz. The life of King Ahaz. So you remember he was a king who Isaiah prophesied to, right? Remember Isaiah told him that those two smoking firebrands would not prosper if he would believe that he would also not be established. And then you remember that Syria and Israel came down and carried away captives, the Syrian captives never to be seen again. And you remember what happened with the captives that were carried back to Samaria. They returned home. But in all of this, there was lots and lots of trouble. And you remember that King Ahaz hired another king does anybody remember either the country that king was from or his name or both? Anybody remember? Hannah? Assyria, that's right. The king of Assyria, which at this time was the growing greater and greater empire. Does anybody remember his name? It's a big, long name. Lincoln. Tiglath-Pilaser, that's right. King Tiglath-Pilaser. He hired him to come help him. But does anybody remember? Did Tiglath-Pilaser help him? Yes or no? You didn't already forget, did you? No! No, Tiglath-Pilaser did not help him. In fact, he came down, and um, you remember that Ahaz hired him with money from his own treasuries as well as the treasuries of the Lord's house, and he gave it to the king of Assyria, but it tells us in 2 Chronicles 28 and verse 21, he helped him not. So much for Tiglath-Pilaser, even in spite of the Philistines and the Edomites causing all of this trouble. And then look with me in 2 Chronicles 28 verse 22. When it says, and in the time of his distress, did he trespass yet more against the Lord? This is that king Ahaz. For he sacrificed unto the gods of Damascus, which smote him. And he said, because the gods of the kings of Syria helped them, Therefore will I sacrifice to them that they may help me. But they were the ruin of him and of all Israel. And Ahaz gathered together the vessels of the house of God and cut in pieces the vessel of the house of God and shut up the doors of the house of the Lord. And he made him altars in every corner of Jerusalem and in every several city of Judah, he made high places to burn incense unto other gods and provoked to anger the Lord God of his fathers. Yes, this is that king, Ahaz. I hope that when you hear again in the future of your life and Bible study, King Ahaz that you'll remember to piece together the different passages. It's very important to remember that the full record of Ahaz is not only in 2 Chronicles and in 2 Kings, but also in Isaiah chapters 7 through 12. Isaiah chapter 7 through 12. So if you mark in your Bible like I do, I highly recommend it because you're not going to always have this harmony. But hopefully you'll continue to carry a Bible until it wears out like mine's starting to wear out. I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to fix this without losing it. Um, 
right in there next to 2 Chronicles 28, Isaiah 7 through 12, because if you want the whole story, you need Isaiah 7 through 12, 2 Chronicles 28, and 2 Kings 16. What's interesting about King Ahaz is that there's not really parallel passages. So you know how sometimes in the harmony I put the passages side by side next to each other and Kings records the same thing that Chronicles records? But when it comes to the life of King Ahaz, that's not the case. They're not parallel. One records one part and another records another part. If you want the whole story, you have to have all three together. And um, there's very little, very, very little overlap between them. But this is that King Ahaz. And I just want to remind you, again, last week, when we learned so much about him, remember what Isaiah said to him? If you will not believe, you will not be established. If you will not believe, you will not be established. And then you remember all of the, I mean, Isaiah chapter 7 through 12 is filled with some of the most magnificent, glorious prophecies of the greatest king of Israel ever to be. And that was a glimpse that God had given to Ahaz, though his kingdom wouldn't be like that kingdom described, because that kingdom being described was the kingdom of that one who would come, Jesus Christ, to be the king of kings. And we know even now that the nation of Israel had rejected him when he came the first time, but he's coming again, and we know those promises will be fulfilled. It's sure and confident and absolute. We can be positive of it. But Ahaz rejected all of that. Did you see what he did here? Not only was he worshiping, remember, this is the same guy who was offering to, to Molech and burning his children alive as a sacrifice to an idol. This is that king. That's, that's what was recorded in his early reign of what he did. And he served Baal and Molech. And now he's, oh, oh he decides he's going to serve the gods of Damascus. And he becomes so frustrated with the true God because he won't obey, he won't believe what the true God has said to him. And do you see what it's recorded here that he did? He actually shut up the temple. (laughs) Broke up the altars. The things that were part of the temple of Job destroyed them, salvaged them, treated them as salvaged as he used it then to build pagan altars all across the city of Jerusalem, all across the city of Jerusalem and all across Judah, for he provoked the anger of the Lord God of his fathers. I also like to remind you of Deuteronomy chapters 28 through the end of the book where God warned his people what would happen if they didn't obey him. We're seeing the beginning fulfillment of some of those things. And so now, beginning in 2 Chronicles 28, oh, now we have a parallel passage. You see that? Now we have Kings and Chronicles recording the same thing. Look at that. Kings and Chronicles both record his death. For it tells us, now the rest of the acts and of all his ways, first and last, behold, they are written in the book of the kings of Judah and Israel. And Ahaz slept with his fathers, and they buried him in the city, even in Jerusalem. But they brought him not into the sepulchers of the kings of Israel. And Hezekiah, his son, reigned in his stead. How do you think Hezekiah will turn out with a dad like Ahaz? In fact... You know, oftentimes, children who are born to parents who are very young uh, struggle in getting established in life. I wonder how old uh, some of you were or your parents were when you were born. Were any of you born to a 12 to 14-year-old dad? Probably not. Hezekiah's dad was between the ages of 12 and 14 when he was born. Which, by the way, is a little hint of the extreme rebellion of this young man in his life. 
especially also then considering the fact that he's burning his children on the altar to pagan gods. How would you like it if you're the one kid who survived Hezekiah? Your dad was 12, 13, 14 when you were born. You think Hezekiah is going to turn out all right? Now, some of you know who Hezekiah is, and you know Hezekiah's story. Can I encourage you that as you read it in the coming weeks, to just set aside what you already know about him and consider who he was, and also keep in mind his dad, Ahaz. What a dad. There you see Isaiah. Here you can see the beginning of Ahaz's reign. And there's Hezekiah. You think Hezekiah is going to be in the way, walk in the ways of his father? Or do you think he'll walk in the ways of his grandfather? Remember his grandfather, Jotham, he, he was for the most part a godly king, as was Uzziah or Azariah. And here we have Ahaz. Ahaz, I am, I have the, I'm convinced Ahaz, when you compare him to all of the kings of Judah, was the worst of them all. And you might take issue with me. You might say, oh no, I think that his grandson, who's not on the screen up here, uh, Manasseh was the worst. And uh, you, you'd be right in considering what he did, some of the things that Manasseh did. But do you know why I consider Ahaz worse than Manasseh? Any idea why? Bruce? Manasseh repented. Even though Manasseh did far greater and worse things than Ahaz did. And you might say, how could you be worse than Ahaz? And you're right, how could you be worse than Ahaz? Manasseh was worse. But in that, in the end, he repented. He repented. And I am convinced that he received the grace of God and the forgiveness of God. Because that's God's nature. In fact, that was the message given to all of these kings Come now, let us reason together. Though your sins be red like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Did you all see the snow this morning? I love snow, especially the first time. If you came in early this morning, you would have heard me in my office playing Christmas music. It's the first snow I'm playing Christmas music. Snow. Snow is a beautiful reminder of God's forgiveness. God's forgiveness. And um, it's, it's wonderful. Uh, my, my kids, I've already given instructions for this year. I love my kids playing outside. I love playing outside. In fact, if you're somebody who hates snow, I encourage you to find opportunity to play in snow. Because most of us adults, we drive in snow, and that's scary. Or we work in snow, and that's hard. But when was the last time you played in snow? Do you remember when you were a kid and you loved snow? It's because you played in it. So go play in the snow. And as you're playing in the snow, remember that though our sins be red like crimson, they can be as wool. They can be whiter than snow. That's what A has had available to him in spite of all of his great wickedness. But he refused. In fact, I'm convinced Ahaz, he knew that message of Isaiah. He knew it, but no. He was determined to allow happen what God warned Isaiah would happen. Turn with me to Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 6. So beginning is Isaiah chapter 7 through 12 is all about Ahaz, Isaiah and Ahaz. And um, chapter 6, though, is the introduction for when in the year of his first year of the reign of his, his father, for it tells us in the year that King Uzziah died, Isaiah saw the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up in his train, filled the temple. Remember that? And he heard the seraphim crying, holy, holy, holy. And he heard the voice of the Lord saying in verse 8, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then said Isaiah, here am I, send me. And look what God said to him in verse 9. Oftentimes when we read Isaiah 6 or the famous parts, when the Bible story books record Isaiah 6, they stop right there. I love Bible story books, but then I hate it when they do this. 
Because you can't end there, because the Lord goes and gives them the instructions where he said, Go and tell this people, Hear ye indeed, but understand not, and see ye indeed, but perceive not. Does that sound like Ahaz? Sure does. And then look what God said, because this, these are people who hear, but don't understand, who see, but do not perceive. God said in verse 10, make the heart of this people fat, make their ears heavy and shut their eyes, lest they see with their ears and hear with their, see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and convert and be healed. You say, what? What's amazing to me is that you hear this instruction of the Lord given. And what's amazing is that when you actually then read Isaiah's sermon to Ahaz, you say, wait a minute. How was his sermon in any way making the people fat and their ears heavy and closing their eyes? Because if you actually analyze the sermon given to Ahaz, it seems to be the opposite, doesn't it? I mean, he point blank crystal clear tells him, if you will not believe, you shall not be established. He makes to him incredible promises, crystal clear. He gives to him declarations of what will happen, crystal clear. You see, it is the truth that was presented, but because Ahaz was one who would not come now and let us reason, the truth actually made him worse. The truth actually caused his eyes to be closed tighter. He had the choice to hear it, but he wouldn't because he was one who wouldn't hear and he wouldn't see. And so even as the truth was given to him, he handled the truth and getting worse and worse and worse. Then look at 11. Isaiah says, then said I, Lord, how long? How long? And he answered, until the cities be wasted without inhabitant, and the houses without man, and the land be utterly desolate. And the Lord have removed men far away, and there be a great forsaking in the midst of the land. That's how long. Look with me here at the timeline. Do you see Ahaz? Ahaz here is cut short have Hezekiah. Look what's going on up here. Right here. You see this? This is the captivity of Israel, the northern kingdom, in 722 B.C. It's coming. I have to tell you a little bit ahead of the story. Hezekiah, Ahaz's son, he believed the Lord and he was established. Because when this happened up in the northern kingdom, Sennacherib, the king of Assyria, came and besieged Jerusalem. And if it were not for the direct intervention of God because of Hezekiah's belief, the same would have been true for Judah. But God showed them mercy. It still came, though. Because if we continue on here to 586 B.C., Judah met their end. But even with all of that, don't forget the promise here in Isaiah chapter 6, the last verse. But yet in it shall be a tenth, and it shall return, and shall be eaten as a teal tree, and as an oak whose substance is in them. When they cast their leaves, so the holy seed shall be the substance thereof. There's a promise here that a remnant will remain in the land. There's also a promise here of a remnant that will return. So here we have King Ahaz. Let's learn from King Ahaz. When we hear the truth, let's not close our ears. When we hear the truth, let's open our eyes. Let us come now and reason together. Say it the Lord. Will you reason with him? Though your sins be red like scarlet, they can be white as snow. Let's reason with the Lord and not close our eyes or harden our hearts or stop our ears. Let's believe and trust him day by day.
And if you never believed on the Lord Jesus Christ and had your sins washed away, it's as simple as this. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God, the one Isaiah promised would come, became a man. He lived a perfect and sinless life and he died on the cross for you, for me, for the whole world. And three days later, he rose again so that ultimately and completely your sins could be washed away. Isn't that glorious? Wonderful. Yes, yes. Well, in the time that we have remaining this morning, I would like to um, revisit some things. Remember your pop quiz last week? Do you all remember your pop quiz last week? How many of well, I don't know if I should do this. Because I don't how many of you felt really good about it? And that's what I thought, yeah. Um, I decided we need some more time in geography. But I want to appeal to you. We all need more time in geography, but you're gonna need to invest more than just right now for the next 20 minutes or so. You need to take some time yourself and get a Bible atlas. If your Bible has one in the back or get one from the church library. And, and there's some important things you need to learn. You need to learn that are very important. And so this pop quiz was just a pretty basic one. Um, and here's why this is important. I, I, I hope that, I, that you're not sitting out there saying, oh, here's the preacher. He's a nerd about geography, and he thinks everybody should be nerds about geography. Please, please don't be that way. The, I am a nerd about geography, okay. I, I'm not very good at other parts of modern geography, but I know this geography historically. Um, I, I, I am. And I'm not asking you be, for you to be a nerd about it. Um, but it is important that you know the basics. I, I, you, you might... How many of you could tell me where Illinois is in relation to Indiana? Good. Good. That's the kind of basic geography of historical biblical geography I want you to know. Um, to illustrate this for you, let me, let me switch over here to... Um, to a website, and I, this is a really cool website for nerds like me, but you don't have to be a nerd to love this website. Okay, so you see the world here? Let's see if we can blow this up. You see the United States over here, right? And you see South America. United States, South America. But look, I've got the United States over here right? Is that where the United States goes? Nope, that's not where the United States goes. See, the United States actually goes over here, right? But I'm going to move it over here to give you a size comparison, all right? Can we do that? So here we're going to put it over here in the Middle East and North Africa, around the Mediterranean. You see that? There's the United States. And so let's zoom in here in this region, or we can see these other countries. So here you see the United States, and you can see these other countries. Libya, Egypt, Saudi Arabia, Turkey, Syria. You see them all? And if we zoom in a little bit more, we come here to Israel. Now let's move this down here maybe a little bit so we can see it. Um, in relation to, let's just put, you know, the, let's put the lake on the lake. Does that sound like a good idea? put the lake on the lake. So right here's the lake, and it matches up with the Mediterranean. And, and if you look at this, let's, let's zoom in a little bit more. So there you see Michigan. You notice anything? Israel is super tiny. Super tiny. Really little. In fact, if we zoom in more here, I mean, we're going to lose track of Michigan. 
Well, let's maybe do it here. Is that close enough? Do you see? Can you see? I know you can't see, but let me just point it out here again. Here, here is Michigan. You, see, you can all see the shape of Michigan, right? Okay. Can you see the Dead Sea right here? And then can you see the Sea of Galilee right there? What is that? So um, we have Beersheba, which is a southern city of Israel over in about this region. This down here is all desert. It's Israel, but it's it's desert region. So we have Beersheba about, about where South Bend is, don't we? So if you were to go from, you know, about South Bend, let's see, who's the truck drivers around here? Mr. Rillema, can you help us out here? If we're going up here on Michigan, about where is the Sea of Galilee here? I don't know where that is. <laughs> See, I knew he knew he knows so well. North of Grand Rapids? What? How far? Okay, a little bit, little bit north. So you could drive from the southernmost part of the nation of Israel, the southernmost main city, not the one way down on the Red Sea, up to the Sea of Galilee and even north of that region as if you were driving to Grand Rapids. Not very big. Not very big. So it's, it's, it's relatively small. So the, the Dead Sea is here, the Jordan River, and the Sea of Galilee here. Up here we have Lebanon. Over here we have Syria. Right there is Damascus. So you see that? Damascus is right there. So if you were to go from Jerusalem here, oh, where is that? Maybe, uh, I don't know where that would be at. Edwardsburg. Edwardsburg to Damascus. You know, we hear about Damascus in the news today. Damascus is still a city, and it's been there for, let's see, a few thousand years. It's a Syrian city. There is the capital of Syria, a whole different country. Do you see it? This, by the way, this website is really cool. It'd be fun for you to go check it out, because oftentimes when we see our maps, they're flat, but the earth isn't flat. There's, there's a sphere and um, when you flatten it out, you stretch things and you shrink things and you warp things into weird shapes. And so when you take it, and this, this, uh-oh, this website here actually does a good job. Um, it, what it's designed to do is actually to, where you can grab different countries and move them around and see real top on top of each other size comparisons. Um, and so it's called the truesize.com. Uh, Let me verify this here. I think because I switched out of PowerPoint, my computer went to sleep. There we go. Yeah, can anybody read that? I can't even read that. The true size of? It's also fun to do when you're talking to people like from China or other countries to show them how their country compares to the land. Yes, the truesize.com, the truesize.com. And um, so you can see and compare things like that, and it's a lot of fun and helpful. It will help you to understand and see how things fit together. What I'd like to do now is to just give you an overview of some maps from the new Moody Bible Atlas. Highly recommend this Bible Atlas. We have it in the library here. And um, if somebody wants to know what you want for Christmas, this is a book that will serve you your whole life long. And don't be afraid that it will get dated, because it will, because they keep discovering things and they keep learning things. But let me tell you something. All the things that they keep learning and discovering for the most part, only help nerds like me. For the most part, the average person isn't going to notice much difference between the new Moody Bible Atlas, and I have at home also, the original Moody Bible Atlas published in the 80s. There's not a lot that has changed. And so, um, and what has is just that they've learned and discovered that and confirmed sometimes there's cities that used to be they didn't know where it was, and now they know for sure where a particular, not really cities, more so the towns, they now have kind of figured out where more of them are in certain places. So don't be afraid of it. It will serve you your whole life long. So a good Moody, the Moody Bible Atlas, or any good atlas you can get, 
um, for in your home. This particular one has, um, has a, almost all of the maps that I show you, almost all of them come from this book, and this book has 118 of these maps of all different little details and a very well organized and, and details to it. Um, but I want to show you here this morning eight maps of the same place. And my goal is not for you to read it because you can't read much up there, can you? All right? You can't read much up there. But I'm hoping that you'll be able to see the Mediterranean Sea and the Dead Sea and the Sea of Galilee, and then you'll be able to see the color coding around them. And um, I'll tell you the map numbers for these, and you can go look at them back there, taking notes. Um, these are the top, you might say, most important maps. And again, why is this important? Why is what I'm going to show you these eight maps important? Here's, here's a reason. Isaiah. You will miserably, miserably understand Isaiah if you don't know the basic kingdoms and nations referred to. You will get so little out of Isaiah if you have no idea who or where Edom is, who or where Moab is, what Babylon is, and, and where they're at. It's very important. And in fact, a lot of your Bibles may actually have maps in the back, and so don't neglect those. When you come to a country particularly and you don't know where it's at, I beg you to look. We have a memory verse in Family Bible Time this year that says, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of God. That rightly dividing the word of God speaks of properly and correctly understanding it. And I'll tell you, if you know your geography, or at least you have a good resource nearby, and you make sure to take the time to look it up, you will be able to rightly divide the Word of God. Isaiah is a book that is often neglected, very much neglected, especially in, 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 the, in the church of America um, for, for many reasons. But one of them is, is that we have become a lazy people in understanding and making sure that when we read it, we understand it. We know what it's talking about. And locations and places, this is very, very important. So what I'm going to do for you is I'm going to jump through this book on the most important maps that are in this book, and I'm going to show you some of the basic things that you need to be familiar with, if not memorize. Like a student, study to show thyself approved unto God. And again, you're not going to get it here this morning. That's why I'm going to tell you what map number it's in, and I'm going to tell you this book is in the library, and I've got it set out back there. Um, on display as, as well, another copy, um, for you to take a look at um, these and snap a picture with your phone, if you haven't bought it, of these particular maps, and take some time to understand them. This one here, does anybody know what this map is? We've shown this map many, many times over the years. Looking at it, just looking at the colors and how, how the different colors are played out there. Any idea what this map is? Hannah? You're right, she said it's the tribes. Okay, first thing you need to know in map learning. Here's the first most important things to know. This is the Mediterranean Sea. You all got that? What's this? Okay, let me give you another name. I know I'm getting nerdy, but this will help you. The Great Sea. In the Bible, it's referred to as the Great Sea, the Mediterranean Sea. That's this. Okay, what is this? What is it? Yes, the Dead Sea. Very important piece of the geography to know. And then what is this up here? The Sea of Galilee. Very good. And what connects the two? The Jordan River. Very good. So whenever you may see this little section, an outline map, the identifying facts that what you're looking at is the Mediterranean Sea, the Dead Sea, the Jordan River, and the Sea of Galilee. Okay? There's the basics of water you need to know. If you know those water, you're going to be able to identify your map. Now, there's a few cities that you need to know. Actually, some parents, you want some homeschool assignments for your kids? I've got one. 
Um, I've got a list and a map of the top 50 cities in Israel that would be good for everyone to know. When I was taking the course, The Life of Christ, we were given a blank map. All it had was the Mediterranean Sea, the Dead Sea, the Jordan River, and the Sea of Galilee, and we had nothing else, and we had to label 50 different cities on that map. Now, that's more advanced, but I'll tell you right up front, that will really help you if you do that and take the time to learn those top 50 major cities. But the most important, Mediterranean Sea, Dead Sea, Sea of Galilee, and the Jordan River. Now, this is a tribal map, so oftentimes throughout the Judges, this was established in the days of Joshua. So each of the 12 tribes of Israel received a portion of land, and here you can see the allotment of it. This one isn't one to memorize, but this one is a good one to know it is laid out here for you, and for the most part, everybody agrees with it, and know where it's at in your Bible and in your Bible atlas, so that as you're reading your Bible, and it says that Naphtali, in Isaiah it says it, in Second Chronicles it said it, was carried away, you can open this up and go, ah, yes, there's Naphtali. You can't see it here on the screen because it's too small, but it's written up there, Naphtali. Am I pointing at Naphtali? I think I got it right. No, that's Asher. Naphtali is the green. Who can correct me? See? But hey, I'll get the book out and I'll look at it. This is map number 40. Map number 40 in this book. These are the tribes of Israel. Now, watch the screen. I'm going to change it. You still see the Mediterranean Sea, the Dead Sea, the Sea of Galilee, the Jordan River. What is this? Well, this is the divided kingdom. So let me explain it to you, the divided kingdom. So in the Moody Bible Atlas, this is map number um, 40. Did I just say 40? I wrote it down wrong. Um, lots of maps. This is map number 66. 66, the monarchy divides. So let me explain a few things here on this one that are important things to know. So here's some kingdoms, all right? Judah, that's the southern kingdom, is the pink here. Israel, the northern kingdom, is the purplish color here. Not to be confused with this one, but the purple color here. That's Israel. And Isaiah and other prophets referred to as Ephraim. Am I blocking your view? Often referred to as Ephraim. Over here we have Philistia. What's Philistia? The Philistines. The Philistines. They're over in this region. Up here we have Phoenicia, which are famous for the two city-states, Tyre and Sidon, on the coast, those powers. That's Phoenicia up there. That's where Jezebel came from. That's where she was a princess of Phoenicia, way up there in the north. Over here we have Amram, which is a, now a more, uh, a more technical name for Syria. So there you know that. We always, in your Bibles, it's almost always referred to as Syria, but this is a more technical term they're using. And then last week, you know, I had you record Edom. Here's Edom, this purple here. Here is Moab, here. And here is Ammon. You remember Edom was the brother of Jacob, his descendants live here in Edom. Moab and Ammon, remember, were sons of Lot. And these are the Moabites and the Ammonites. They have their regions here and here. And then up here, we have Syria. Did I cover all of those? So you see how the map changed? Now here's what's fascinating. The tribes still are laid out in this region. 
So even though this now shows a different distinction, the tribes are still there underlying all of this. So it's a, that's the reason why I start with the tribes, because it builds. Even in the time of Jesus, even though the, the locations of the tribes were not identified, the tribes are identified, and people did live in those regions of their ancestral tribes. Um, so it's a foundation to all of these. So here's the other kingdom. So again, this is a map like trying to understand and see, oh, we have Indiana, Michigan, Illinois, Ohio, Kentucky. Most of you could identify those on a blank map, couldn't you? That's why I'm asking you to be able to do the same thing here with Philistia, Judah, Israel, Phoenicia, Syria, Ammon, Moab, and Edom. Now I'm pointing at those and know where those at. How many of you were able to follow with your eyes where those were at when I just said it? few of you, good. Take, you, you have to learn it on yourself. I could go here and review it and review it, but unless you actually take it and review it on your own, you're not going to get it. So this is a map of the divided kingdom. Watch the map. I'm going to zoom way out. Way out. This is the Assyrian Empire. And you notice all the different colors? We talked about this last week. The different colors show how the Assyrian Empire grew. But the main heart of the Assyrian Empire is here between the rivers Euphrates and the Tigris River. That's the heartland of the Assyrian Empire. Later, we're going to see the Roman Empire. Where was the heartland of the Roman Empire? You probably all know this. What country or do we identify with it? Modern country? Italy. Yes, Italy. That was the heartland of the Roman Empire. But we know that the Roman Empire went far outside of Italy. So the same is true with Assyria. The heartland of it was here in this region. Now, here again, we have the Mediterranean Sea, and you can barely see the Salt Sea, the Dead Sea, and the Sea of Galilee. Over here. See Egypt down here? Here's the heartland of Assyria. This is map. My notes are not working on my screen. It's showing me my old original notes from the first slide we were at. I'll mark these down for you later. I won't waste the time, your time right now. This is the Assyrian Empire. This is a good one to know that you have. Watch the screen. Same basic part of the map, but this is the Babylonian Empire. So we have the Assyrian Empire, and then we have the Babylonian Empire. You see, here again is the Mediterranean Sea. Here's Jerusalem, the Salt Sea, the Sea of Galilee. There's Damascus. You see the Babylonian Empire is a great empire. Here you see the purple. Over here we have the Median Kingdom. Remember the Medes and Persians? Here's the reason why this map is important. You're going to read Daniel. You need to know who, where Babylon is and how the empire of Babylon was. And you need to know about the Medes and the Persians. This map is the one that's going to help you in understanding that. Remember also, Daniel had a dream of a, of a vision, of, of an image. Does anybody remember that? How many of you know, know about that dream? Maybe some of you. Where the head was gold, and the arms and shoulders were silver, and the belly was bronze, and the legs were iron, and the feet were iron mixed with clay. What did those different metals represent? Someone tell me. William? All right, yeah, he got it. I just asked the question, what do they represent? And I wanted to hear the na word nations or kingdoms, and he listed them. All of you need to be able to do what William did. <laughs> so grandpas help out grandkids and fathers help out, help out kids. What he just did is very important for you to be able to understand Daniel, to be able to understand the prophets, because all of this plays together. So here's the, you see the Babylonian Empire. Poof, Assyria's gone. Assyria, the great powerful Assyria, gone, obliterated. Babylon conquered them, as well as everything else, as you can see, Egypt and so forth. And then we have the Median Kingdom over there. 
Um, and so here, there's, other, there's a lot of other details on here, but Babylonian kingdom is the most interesting. Now watch the screen. This is the Greek empire. And we won't go into the details of this. This is fascinating because Daniel also does prophesy some things in relation to the Greek empire, but we won't go into that here this morning. And here is the, no, I'm sorry, this is not the Greek empire. I need to look at it. This is the Medes and Persian empire. So this is what replaced Babylon. See how they, they grew from the, um, from the east and they ended up conquering through Babylon. Again, removing the power, political power of Babylon. Then we have the Greek Empire. See, its heartland was in Greece, but it stretched throughout the entire world here. And then we zoom way out and there we see all those different colors represent different periods and growth of the Roman Empire. And if we were to zoom in during this time, back into the promised land, we would see here, which shows how that was split up among different people. You ever heard of the Herods? You know there were different Herods and how they interrelated? You ever wonder how they did and what they were? Here is, here is a map that shows how they are. And there's one key piece to this that's important, and that's to know the region called the Decapolis, which is the blue here. Um, the Decapolis. You'll read about the Decapolis throughout the Gospels, and I, wanna, I don't want to embarrass you, but I'm dying to know how many of you, when I say the phrase Decapolis, have any idea what it is, because it recur, occurs probably a score or more times in the Gospels. Decapolis. If you don't know what it is, get a map and look at it. What it actually is referring to is, you know how we have a decade? The deck means ten. The Decapolis, the Decapolis, and what's Apolis, Minneapolis, city. So the, Deca the, the Decapolis, and now I'm not messed it all up, is a region of 10 great Greek cities. And it was a, it was a powerful region and a prominent region those five, ten cities during the days of Jesus and the apostles. So the Decapolis of ten cities. So there's a, a series of maps, and they all layer on top of each other. You see how they layer on top of each other? Um, and so the most important basic part of it is for you to understand the basics of the kingdoms. So a way for you to know and just to get a glimpse of it is know the, know the states, we'll just call them states, because that's really more of what they were. They were kingdom states around Israel. Those kingdoms, Israel, Jude, or Judah, Israel, the Philistia, Edom, Moab, Ammon, Syria, Phoenicia, Assyria, Babylon. Picture it in your mind and know those, those countries. And if you can identify those countries... When you read your minor prophets, your major prophets, and any of your historical books, you will have a whole new recollection and understanding of the scriptures. Next week, we're going to talk about an important region called Samaria, which so far in history has been known as a city, but it's going to now be known as a region that will continue all the way through the time of Christ. Did I inspire you? So what are you going to ask for for Christmas? Yay! That sounded lame. Good thing you're not my nieces and nephews. This is what they all got for Christmas like four years ago. Yes, a Bible atlas. Very, very helpful. Basic book to have in every home library. So that when you have a question, you don't have to go Google it because Google will confuse you. I promise you it will. It will help you, but it will also confuse you. Having a good, reliable source um, that's Bible-based will very, very much help you. All right? So I recommend this one. There's others. I have a few others here. There's a really, really cool one um, that's called the Satellite Bible Atlas, where they actually take satellite imagery, photographs of modern Israel, and then they superimpose on top of it the ancient city names and routes and places. 
That's a, that's a neat book, too. You can check that one out if you'd like to. You won't find that one in the library. That one's in my personal library. And I have some other Bible atlases that are fun, too. So I encourage you. My, I guess the real lesson of all of this is coming back to that scripture we're all memorizing this year. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. You don't need to be ashamed when you don't know where someplace is. Find out where it is and do your best to remember where it is so that the next time you hear about that place, you have a general idea, if not a precise recalling of where that place is. All right. I'm still getting not a very enthusiastic response. Um, again, I, I, I'll follow up. I might be nerdy, but don't let the fact that I'm nerdy about it scare you or excuse you. Please, I beg you, invest some time in understanding these regions. And in one of these weeks, I'm going to give a pop quiz and see how you all do on knowing some of these places um, again. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the history that it has revealed to us. Thank you that it is reliable. Oh, how often we read different things and we get conflicting information, but yet when we come back to your word, we know that we have reliable record. Lord, help us understand it and help us to be faithful students to truly study and invest the time in seeking to know and to understand your word. And Lord, also I pray that we would not be as King Ahaz, as we learned this morning, that we would truly heed your call to come and reason together to find forgiveness for sin. And we thank you that that is made possible through our Lord Jesus Christ. And we thank you this morning for the beautiful snow to remind us that though our sins be red like scarlet, stained, impossible to remove or wash away, that it is possible with the precious blood of Jesus, the Lamb of God, who died for us. May we rejoice in that each day that we see the snowfall, and may we glorify you. And if we have not received that forgiveness, I pray that each one who hasn't would today receive it by believing on you. And so we commit the rest of this day to you, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.